Oh, what a wonderful start this morning to our Good Friday service. And can I welcome you here? It's so good to have you gathered here with us this morning on this Good Friday. Can I start with a question this morning? My question is this. What do you think of when you think of this word? What's the immediate thing that comes to mind when you think of this word, final? (laughs) Well, if you're an AFL addict, you might think of the grand final. If you're flying international and you're checking your luggage through to its final destination. If you're a long-term student and you're coming to the end of your exams, in fact, this is your final exams, maybe these are the kind of sentences you would use these, this particular word in. Well, today starts, starts a six-part series entitled Jesus Is on this Good Friday. And today's topic is Jesus is the Lamb. We've got that picture. Here it is. Here it is right here. And before we go any further, I do want you to know we're doing something for the very first time Um, I think that we've ever done in the history of our church. And some of our congregational members have spent hours, some weeks, in putting this artwork together to complement this next six-part series entitled Jesus Is. And I want to just quickly honour those um, six, seven, eight people. They may not all be here this morning. I don't know if any of them are, to tell you the truth. But if you could please stand where you are, if you painted and were a part of putting some of this together here. Could you please stand? We won't mention names this morning. We just want to honour and say thank you for the hours of time and effort you put in. Today's topic is Jesus is the Lamb. And we're going to focus on the final week of Jesus' life where it begins on Palm Sunday. This was his final approach into the city of Jerusalem. This was his final visit to the temple where he would bring his final teaching there. This was his final meal with his disciples and his final hours upon the cross. The week, in fact, began on quite a high note. In fact, over two million people converged on Jerusalem and its great temple, 12 football fields in size, this temple. It consumed Jerusalem. And they came to celebrate the Passover, the annual Jewish celebration, all under the watchful eye of its city's recent conqueror, the Roman Empire. And on Palm Sunday, Jesus rides into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, preparing for his final Passover, although no one else knew. The crowds were cheering. They were waving palm branches and they were shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The crowds were cheering and it was very exciting. Yet the week earlier, in a town of Bethany, Jesus raised back to life a man named Lazarus. Lazarus. In fact, 
Raising a dead man back to life would increase anyone's popularity, and it certainly increased Jesus' popularity. You see, if Jesus can make the blind see, and if he can make the dead rise, perhaps, 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 in this gathering, this is the long-awaited Messiah that they had been waiting for. Yet the amazing thing is that the day that Jesus rode to Jerusalem, It was Lamb Selection Sunday. This was a day for people to celebrate the Passover, their Passover meals. And of course, not quite like us selecting from the supermarket refrigerator. This is in fact is quite different. This was a slaughter. And so the family would choose this innocent, unblemished lamb that would be slaughtered later that week for this Passover feast. And so Jesus comes into town on Lamb Selection Sunday. This is significant. Because this moment, in fact, was predicted since the very earliest chapters of the Bible. Let's go back just for a moment to the beginning. Where in the beginning, God, he created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1 verse 1. We'll go on a little bit from that where he created man, Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve lived in this perfect world from the beginning. No sickness, no death, no disease and no sin. They had the perfect relationship with God in the Garden of Eden. And God said to Adam and Eve that you may eat from any tree in this beautiful garden except for the one right in the center of it. You eat from that tree, you will surely die. Time goes on and not much time in fact, but deceived by Satan, Adam and Eve made a choice that they would eat from this forbidden tree. And in that moment, suddenly, the world that all that was known, all that was good, was all of a sudden all broken. Sickness, disease, death entered the world. Adam and Eve, because of this decision, were afraid of God and they hid, the Bible says. They hid in their nakedness, in their shame. They hid from God. What does God do? Does he strike them dead there and then? Does he strike up a deal and say, let's just pretend that that didn't happen? No, no, no. Here they are, hiding over in the corner, in their shame and in their guilt. And the Bible says that God covers their sin and he covers their shame with animal skin. Often we read past that without stopping and reflecting what's just gone on there. Let's stop just for a moment because God in this very moment was giving us a first glimpse of what was going to happen on Good Friday in Jerusalem thousands of years later. What does God do? 
God takes this innocent animal in the Garden of Eden and he slaughters it. Now, let's not forget, no one up until this moment has seen death. Imagine Adam and Eve just for a moment if we could. They not only see death, but they hear death for the very first time. And so God takes the skin of this innocent animal and he covers their shame as if to say, as if to say, in order for the guilty parties to be set free, an innocent third party has to be sacrificed. This is the first glimpse that we get in the Bible of this concept. It's commonly known as substitutionary atonement. Let's roll the video forward to the time of the Exodus. God's people, the Israelites, become faithless people, enslaved by the Egyptians. The Egyptians are sinning against the Israelites. The Israelites are sinning against the Egyptians. It is one big sinful mess. So what does God do? He is God. He is God. And God announces judgment. He announces in a way of the angel of death. He is God. And the angel of death will visit the households and the firstborn son of every family will lose his life, the Bible says. But God says there is one exception, one exception, one exception that any family who will find an unblemished perfect lamb and will slaughter and shed its blood and put it over the doorposts of the house in which they live, that the death angel will pass over that house and spare the life of the son. Now, some people are kind of moved by this. They think that God is bluffing. Surely God won't do that. He doesn't mean that. He wouldn't do that. But others know that God is God. He is both loving and just. Try to imagine just for a moment, if we could, this seven-year-old boy watching his father head out of the house into the pen and he picks this prized lamb. And this boy even remembers the day that the lamb was born. And for the family, it meant a lot of family. Uh, this meant there was a, was a beautiful pet for the family, but they may have nicknamed it. I'm sure they would have fed it. Yet suddenly... The boy watches his father take this lamb and he slaughters it right in front of him. And the boy's a gasp and says, Father, what are you doing? This is the lamb. It's become part of the family. And the father looks down at the son and says, Son, it's either the lamb. Or it's you. Sin is a serious deal. And it has to be dealt with. It has to be dealt with. It's atonement day. And that night, when the death angel passed over every home, the lamb dies. And the son is free. For those, and only for those, 
who put the blood over the doorposts only. Let's roll the tape further ahead to a prophecy that is made by the prophet Isaiah, 800 BC. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5 and verse 7 says this, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And by his wounds, we are healed. He was led like a, like a lamb to the slaughter. And the people, as you can imagine, as they heard this, it's kind of like, well, wait on. They're a little confused by what they're hearing, how to handle what's being said here. In fact, did not that sound like that they were saying that a human being is going to be slaughtered one day? Hmm. That God was going to make a human sacrifice? Well, the next thing they wonder, well, who's it going to be? What's this going to look like? And centuries go by and Jesus Christ is born. And when he's 30 years of age, his cousin John, the baptizer, he's preaching to a large crowd and he sees Jesus. And John points to him and says, look, everyone, look, everyone. It's the Lamb of God. It's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one in whom we have been awaiting for. This is the prized Lamb of God. Three years later, Jesus rides back in, it rides into Jerusalem, back to our original story. On Palm Sunday, on what? Lamb Selection Sundays, Sunday. And a few days later, is betrayed by one of his closest friends. He's arrested and he's tried and Pilate, the governor of the day, orders because a crowd is building and the crowd want blood and they get blood and Pilate the governor orders him to be flogged and beaten. Pilate's role was to maintain order. Days earlier, those who were worshipping him were now crucifying him. If you're living in Jerusalem, you will understand that this sound is a familiar sound. Israelites knew that sound. They knew that sound so well. This was the sound of the shofar, the ram's horn. Twice a day, when they heard that sound, everything stopped. Those who were working stopped. Those who were playing stopped. Those who were shopping stopped in reverence. 
everything stopped. Why? <laughs> because out of reverence, out of thankfulness, and out of gratefulness, when the horn blew, it signified that the priest at the temple was sacrificing a lamb for their sins. The sacrifice of a substitute payment was being made. And for hundreds of years, twice a day, once in the morning and once in the afternoon, they had heard that sound of the shofar. God had been conditioning his people with the sound of the shofar. And that sound said this, that sin brings death. Sin brings death. Sin brings death. 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. Guess the time. Guess the time in which Jesus was crucified. 9 a.m. And at that time, the city was covered in darkness, the Bible says. Covered. This was final. This was final. This was the final time the Lamb of God would look down from the cross to his mum. This was the final time the Lamb of God would cry out to his father and he would say, It is final. This was the final time in which Jesus would take his last breath. Guess what time Jesus died? Exactly 3 p.m. Shofar time. What they didn't know was that the ultimate sacrifice had just been paid once and for all. The Lamb of God. This was final. So, Jesus is. How do you fill in that blank today? We're going to attempt over these next four or five weeks to fill in those blanks for us, continuing on Sunday with this beauty over here to your left. Jesus is, maybe we've answered that today, that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's who Jesus is.